Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Amen. Thank you, Bradley Wesley, for scripture reading. Happy to have you all here. Thanks for coming and being a part of our morning. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we have been on a sermon series called Refocusing, or kind of focusing, looking at uh, who we are as a church, what has God called us to, and who we are, what our mission is, uh, what that looks like as individuals, what that looks like as a church. Last week, we said, here's what it looks like in our children's ministry. We kind of had a a morning focused on our children's ministry to, to let all of us know that they're a part of our church. They're important, and they're important members of our church, and we want to include them, and we want them to grow up as disciples as well. That in, as, it looks, as it relates to kids' ministry, we're not as interested in doing daycare and child care, that these are discipleship moments. Today is our Youth Sunday, and so we're going to be looking at that kind of the same thing, but as our youth. Our youth are important to our church as well. This is their church. They're members here. They serve, uh, they're able to serve like you just saw as evidence. They're part of our body. And we as, uh, as adults, we want to love on them. We want to care for them. We want to welcome them. And we want to see them as disciples of Jesus too. So that's kind of what, we, what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, for me, I've, uh, I've been in ministry 29 years. When I graduated college, I started working in a church. And uh, over the 29 years, has seen some amazing things, right? Some life change and some, some beautiful stories. But there's also been uh, a, a good amount of heartache, a good amount of just pain. As uh, for me, kind of the, the, the hardest part is when we see people that we know and we love, they're in the church, and they just kind of walk away. I was a youth pastor for many years, and so you'd see some kids that grew up in the church and Sunday school, and the nursery and Sunday school, and, and then in junior high and did all the camps and all of those things, but only to see them go to college and never to come back to the church. They walked away from the church. They walked away from Jesus, and that is one of the, the hardest, the most heartbreaking thing for a pastor to see. This last week, it kind of um, came back in a, in a new way, uh, not by somebody that I knew um, intimately or whatever. It was just some, somebody I knew um, of. She was a worship pastor at my friend's church down in South Orange County. Uh, the pastor and I, we went to high school together, and uh, he's a pastor down there. And this was his worship leader. And so I had been to his church when I was on sabbatical and, and heard her lead worship, and she was great. Then my friends told me that she was going to be leaving to start a solo career, you know, in music. She was leaving and she was going to move to Nashville. And uh, I, I kind of lost track of her, but this week I, I found her and was like, oh, that's exciting. I wonder how she's doing. And listened to a song and it, it came clear to me that she was one of these people. That she had uh, decided that uh, her faith in Jesus uh, was not something that she was going to continue to pursue. 
uh, I looked at one of the, the songs, the first song I heard, and the lyrics just, um, they're just tough lyrics. I'll read the first couple lines. It says this. It says, they drowned me in the Jordan. Then they tried to wash me clean. They got the stains out, but now it's too hard to breathe. They told me he's a good Lord. As they tied shackles to my feet, they drowned me in the Jordan. And then they walked away from me. So I don't know her story. I don't know all that happened. But I, I read that, or I heard that. And it's, those are strong lyrics. And those, those are heartbreaking to a pastor. When you hear people just say, you know, for whatever the reason, that they are turning away, they are walking away, they're going somewhere else. And, and unfortunately, this is not a new story. Unfortunately, this has been a story we've been hearing for years. And if you've been in the church, you've heard these stories like, where are the kids? Where are the youth? Where are the young adults? They, you know, they, they were here uh, when their parents brought them, but now they're, they're, not, they're not coming back. Uh, there's lots of reasons, I'm sure. Lots and lots of reasons. But one of the main ones, uh, as far as research goes, goes uh, from Christian Smith. And his research is a few years old now. But he, um, a few years ago, kind of wrote uh, a couple books on this. And he says that we as a church, we have been discipling our children, our youth, to be moralistic, therapeutic deists. Uh, that's kind of what we've, what we've done. And he gives five kind of points what this looks like. Here's what we've taught them. Here's our discipleship to our kids. Uh, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Okay, so that's great. We taught them creation. All right, there we go. We got an A on that one. Uh, but then it keeps going. He says, this is what we taught them. Another thing we taught them is this. God wants people to be good, nice, fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Uh, true that there's, those words are in Scripture, right? Goodness and kindness and mercy, like we want our kids to have that. But uh, what we've done is just said that that's, that's what we want. We want moralistic people. Just like all the other world religions, we're not really that different. It's just a different take on it. But we just want people to be kind and nice and good. He goes on, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. God does not need us to be, or does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And the last one, good people go to heaven when they die. Is this really what we want in our children? Is this what we're trying to do, to make disciples who are good moral people? You know, yeah, God exists and he's there when I need him. I'm just going to be kind and good. God wants me to be happy, you know, through life. And if, if it all works out good, then all good people go to heaven. Like, is that really what discipleship is? Well, we would say no to that. That there is so much more than that. And we stand as a church, Ambassador Church, saying this is not okay with us. We are not okay to see more and more kids kind of come up in the ministry and adopt this kind of discipleship and then just kind of move on with life never to come back. We're not okay with that, right? We want to take the time that we have with our students and pour into them, to pour into them the gospel, all right, we do want to, uh, to 
see their minds transformed, to, to know the scriptures and to know the gospel, all right, to know deep and have deep thoughts about God. We want that. We do want them to be able to act it out, to, to live like Jesus did. But what's missing here is the heart. We also want to see our students have a heart of love for God, a heart that is motivated by love, that understands the love that God has given them, and they reflect that back into the world. And so we want to do that. We want to create a, a church that has a, a, a ministry to our youth that is fun, right? That is a good time. They have good memories. There's good food. There's good friends. And there's a sense of belonging. But there's also a sense of purpose, a mission that God has called them to. Our mission in our church is to make the name of Jesus known. We want all people from children, youth, adults, people in the church, people outside the church, to know the goodness, the good name of Jesus, and to know his love, right? To have hearts that, that, that understand the depths of his love. So our heart's desire is that our students would know the truth of the gospel, but also cultivate a heart of love for Jesus. And that's important to all of us. To our whole church, whether you have kids or not, all right, whether you have youth students or you have children that hopefully one day will be there, or uh, maybe those of you that you're, you're, maybe you don't have kids or your kids are grown, whatever it is, as a church, we want this to be right at our heart, where we continue to love our kids and watch over them and, and gr- help them grow up to know and love Jesus Christ. That's why it's important. And for students that are in here, we have several of our junior high student and high school students. We want you to know, too, that we love you, right? That we care for you, and we want to do everything we can to help you know and love Jesus Christ. We're here for you, okay? So today, that's what we want to look at. And we'll just look at one passage today, but we'll see, though, that in this passage, that, that to love Jesus really means we have to give him all of our heart. We give them the whole heart, not just part of it, all right, or just a, a little section, but to love Jesus is to give him all of our hearts. So we'll, we'll look at a passage today where we see a young man who's uh, the closest I could find to a teenager in the Bible, uh, a young man who uh, wanted uh, to know God deeply. He had a lifestyle of that, but when it came to Jesus saying, here's what I need, I need your heart he walked away. He walked away. And so we'll look at that passage and we'll learn a little bit about what it looks like to follow Jesus without your heart and what it looks like to follow Jesus with your heart. Okay? So, first, let's look at this. Just following Jesus without your heart, what this looks like. Here's a young man who did all the right things. He knew all the right things, but he was still feeling a little empty. In Matthew 19, which was read for us, It says, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? He says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. Then he says, but if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. This young man asked, Teacher, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus plays along and he says, well, keep the commandments. Right that's a great answer because that's what he was so good at. He really did, did well at that. He was great. 
So he says, man, that's great because I've, I've done really well at all, keeping all those commandments. But just out of curiosity, he says in verse 19, which ones? Which ones, he inquired. And Jesus replied, says, you shall not murder. That's good. I haven't murdered anybody. Good. Uh, you shall not commit adultery. Yep, I'm pure. Haven't done that. You shall not steal. I don't put my hands on anything that's not mine. I don't steal anything. You shall not give false testimony. I always tell the truth. Even if it hurts, I tell the truth. I'm good with that. Honor your father and mother. Yep, I honor them. I love them. I respect them. He's doing great. And then Jesus adds one that's actually not part of the Ten Commandments. This is from Leviticus. But he says, now love your neighbor as yourself. All right, that one, that was a surprise, Jesus. I didn't see that one coming. But don't worry, I do that well too. I take care of my neighbors. All right, when my, uh, the older guy needs his trash cans taken out, I take them out. The widow who couldn't take down her Christmas lights, I got those. You know, we take food to the neighbors when they're sick. Like, I love my neighbors. When you look at it at the surface, this is a pretty good disciple of Jesus. Right? When you think about it, like, he's really good. This is somebody who you'd probably want your friends to hang out or your, your kids to hang out with someone like this. All right? Some of you, maybe a, you're, you're a, a parent of a girl, you're like, this is the kind of guy we've been praying for. All right? I mean, he's good. He, he has his mind fixed on the things of God. He knows what God wants and he does them. He's doing all the right things. All right? He's, he's being pure. He's not hurting anybody. He's loving others. All right, he loves his mom and dad. He says, yes, ma'am, no, sir, all those good things. Loves his neighbors. He's generous. All right, I mean, he's got some money, so he's generous. I mean, he goes to the temple every day to worship, and when he's there, he's probably giving uh, money to those who are poor and those who are begging on the side. He's generous. He's humble. He's not an arrogant guy. I mean, he comes to Jesus. The other, disciples, the other gospels say that he fell on his knees before Jesus. He humbled himself. Like, here's a humble guy. He's, he's thoughtful. He's proactive. He's kind of thinking about things of the future, eternal life. What a great guy. Isn't this the kind of person we'd love in the church? Right? I mean, wouldn't we, if we had, you know, a whole youth group of people like this, we'd say, that's a really, we did a really good job. All right, we're making great disciples. Um, unfortunately, this is, uh, this is what so many churches want. Right? This is what so many parents want. They just want someone that's just good and moral and upright, and they do the right thing, they're thinking the right things, and they're pleased with that. You know, over this last year, we had been looking for a youth pastor. We've been on a, a youth pastor search that lasted about a year. And so during this time, we saw um, a, a lot of people. A lot of people had come, and um, I had a lot of conversations with different people. But this is, uh, I, I always ask a question about discipleship. You know, like, you know, what, is, what does a disciple look like to you? What would be like a, when someone graduates 12th grade, what would you want to see in their life, you know, as they, they were following Jesus? And I heard this answer more than once. And this was almost verbatim. They would say, well... Here's what we want. I want somebody who knows the Bible. Right? They know, know the Bible, and they live a good moral life. Uh, no premarital sex, no drugs, no cussing. You know, that's the kind of thing. That's what we want. 
And I'm just like, and anything else? I mean, is that what we're looking for? Is that what we want to produce and throw out? Just the students that just know the order of the Old Testament, they know the books in order, and they're, they're you know, have a, a say no to drugs sticker on their water bottle? Like, is that what we want? Or is there something else? And I kept saying, like, there's got to be more, you guys. There's got to be more than just that, just loving God with our, our minds and our bodies. There's a whole heart that God wants. God has called us to give him our hearts. But that's where this, this guy stopped right there. Now, if, um, if that's what God wanted, when he said, hey, I have followed all these commandments, Jesus would have, been, would have said something like, that's great. I am so proud of you. And he would have said to his disciples, see, guys, this is what we're looking. This is what I want from all of you. But he didn't do that. The man continued. He kept pressing. He said, uh, what else do I need? And so Jesus tells him, here's, here's what you need. You need to follow me with all of your heart. Because one thing the young man didn't give to him was a heart. Look at verse 21. He says, um, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And look at that. It's, it's fascinating. He says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Then you'll have a treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. I mean, here's a rabbi. This man came up to Jesus because he respected him. And here's a rabbi who's saying, hey, come follow me. That's that's really privileged for a rabbi to come up to you and say I want you to to follow me that's huge and I think this man would have done it but Jesus said but first I want you to take go home get everything box it up sell it and give that money to the poor do that and then follow me if Jesus hadn't said that he would have followed him I think he would have been the 13th disciple Right? He probably would have had a, a, there would have been maybe a fifth gospel, right? The gospel of the rich young ruler, whatever his name was. But for him, he had something in his heart that was bigger than his love for Jesus. It was his wealth. It was wealth. When Jesus said, get rid of all of that and you'll have a treasure in heaven. Get rid of your earthly treasure so you can have a treasure in heaven. Something that, 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 that rust and moths can't destroy he went away, sad. You notice Jesus didn't go after him. I'd imagine the disciples were like, uh, Jesus, he's leaving. <laughs> he's young, he's rich, he's influential. Like, that's the kind of guy we need. But he didn't give his heart to Jesus. His heart uh, was full. And for him, it was wealth. But um, after he leaves, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, you know, it's hard. It's really hard for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember the story he gave. He says it's easier for what? The camel to go through an eye of a needle than the rich person to enter heaven. And that just blew the disciples' minds. But that's a conversation for another day. But he says it's hard. Not impossible. It's not impossible. 
Because there were other people who had great wealth who were followers of Jesus. Remember uh, Zacchaeus. He was rich. And when Jesus entered his life, he, came, he gave half of everything away. Just half. He gave it away. And then he followed Jesus. All right, there was also Joseph of Arimathea, very rich. He was the one that gave his grave to Jesus. Jesus was buried in his grave. He had great wealth. So it's not impossible, but it is hard. But for him, it was wealth. But for others, school, grades, um, your future, friends, there's all kinds of things that it can be. But what Jesus is saying that is, you cannot love me and love your other things. It's got to be me alone. This isn't the first time that he talks about selling everything for the kingdom of God. There are people that, uh, that can leave everything for the treasure of finding Jesus Christ. Uh, just back in Matthew 13, this is a parable, right? So it's not a, didn't, we think this story with a rich young ruler that that happened. These are parables that Jesus told. But he says this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in joy went, and what did he do? He sold everything he had to buy that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he had found one of great value, he went away. And what did he do? Sold everything he had and bought it. Here's two people that Jesus says, this is what it's like for the enter the kingdom of heaven. You, you find something of great worth and nothing will keep that from you. He says, this is the kingdom of heaven. The treasure is Jesus that's the treasure. He's the pearl. He's the one that's it's worth giving everything up for him. To sell everything so that I can receive Jesus Christ. So for here in these stories, these parables, they find Jesus Christ and they say, there's nothing going to keep me. I'm going to sell everything because I need Jesus. As opposed to the man who said, I want Jesus, but I want to keep everything else. I just want to add a little bit. I just want to get that just enough Jesus just to make sure that I'm okay, that I can have eternal life, that I can be numbered among the faithful. That's a difference. Have you given your heart? Is Jesus worth it? And by the way, I'm not just talking to the youth. This is not just for the youth. This is for all of us. And for any parents of youth, this is, this is for you too. If you want this for your kids, you've got to live it yourself. Right? You've got to give Jesus all your heart. Everything. Because it's worth it. It's a sacrifice. It's worth it. Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China many, many, many years ago. One of the first. And he said this. He says, it is so hard to sacrifice for Jesus. It is so hard. Because once I give something away, God blesses me with so much more. <laughs> and I can't keep up with it. I keep trying to give away, but God keeps giving more and more. See, that's a man who knew the love of Jesus. That's a man who had said, I will give everything up for Jesus because he's worth it. He's the treasure that's worth it. A true disciple is one that says that I'm God's treasure. God has loved me so much. 
And I want him to be my treasure. I want him to have my whole heart. I will give up everything for him. So where does that put us? You know, for many years, the church was content to say, we just want to have students that are just kind, good, nice, you know, that, that know about Jesus and that act the right way. But what we need, we need, we need students who have said, I'm giving you everything, Lord. I'm giving you my heart. They're, they're giving their minds to him. They're giving their bodies. They're giving their hearts. And they're, they're saying, Lord, you are worth it. That's what we're looking for in this church. We're not looking for just, just polite kids. We're not a debutante ball, right? <laughs> we're, that's not our thing. Um, we're not a cotillion dance where we're just trying to teach young boys and girls good manners and all that. We're making disciples. Disciples that have given Jesus all of their hearts. And that's what we're attempting to do. And so we have a youth program that, that's built around that. That's what they're doing. But we, it's, it's beyond just youth. It's all of the church, all of you, seeing our youth, knowing them and loving them and praying for them, sharing your lives with them, caring for them, letting them know that they're a, a valuable member of this church, that they get to use their gifts and serve. But we, we get to teach them and they get to teach us. We get to learn from them too. It's a beautiful thing. And so that's what we're hoping to see happen in this church over these next few years as we continue to, to care for these students and love on them, introduce them to Jesus, and let Jesus take all of their hearts. So let me introduce you to Tim. Timothy Kang is our, our wonderful youth director. Uh, he's been um, on our staff for a few years, and then uh, just, let's see, it was December, December 1st, right, that, that we... Uh, we called him to be our, our youth director and um, kind of to steer this ministry. And so I'll say this, that it is not up to Timothy to change the hearts of the students. That is the Holy Spirit's job, right? But Tim has the opportunity to create this environment and to um, really pour into the kids' lives and to really um, not just teach them Jesus, but show them the love of Jesus. And so, Tim, I'm going to just give you a few minutes and uh, just take it from here. and Just share with us just a little bit about the youth ministry, what your heart is, and uh, what God has been teaching you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Ethan. Uh, it's so good to see you all. My name is Timothy, and um, many of us experience Jesus in all different kinds of ways. Uh, for me, Jesus, I have experienced the love of Jesus through the ministry of presence, and I will never forget in 2006, uh, the summer of 2006, it was my first Friday night at youth group. And I remember uh, going in, I, I grew up in a small Korean church, and our youth group was like very small, like no more than maybe 25, uh, from 6th grade to 12th grade. And, our, and that, that first Friday night uh, for youth group, I just happened to be like the only 6th grader there. <laughs> so I was so intimidated um, because you walk into, you know, a, youth, a new youth group filled with people who are much older than you are, right? It, it feels very intimidating. But I just remembered that that Friday night, um, being the only sixth grader there, I was so quiet. I was so shy. I didn't know what to expect. And uh, that night, uh, we just happened to not have that many students come, which is like, oh, whew, right? It's pretty good. Um, and so I'll never forget, my pastor at the time, uh, he said, you know what, you guys? Let's just go get some boba, right? Let's just go get some boba. Let's just keep it light. Let's go hang out. And so we went to a boba shop uh, that was nearby. And, uh, and I just remembered that, uh, that 
my older brothers, I call them brothers, right, because we're brothers and sisters in the kingdom of Christ. And so um, the older guys, they, they took me into their car, and they welcomed me. And we got to the boba place, and, you know, we're just buying our drinks. And, uh, and I was just standing in the back, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I just remembered, um, like, you know, my, my older brothers and sisters before me, they, they all ordered. And they're like, Tim, Tim, like, tell me what you want. I'm like, oh, no, I don't have any money, right? I don't know. I, like, I didn't tell my mom. Like, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I didn't know we were going to come get boba. And, and I just remember, like, no, come, j- just, just tell me what you want, and we'll, we'll buy you. We'll buy you boba. And I remember that was such a powerful moment for me because I felt so welcomed. Um, and who doesn't like free boba? Am I right? Um, and so I just remembered, wow, this is, I feel so loved. I thought they were just going to, like, make fun of me for being, uh, I used to be a chubby kid when I was younger. Um, but I thought they were just going to make fun of me because I'm, like, this chubby kid. You know, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm, like, the young guy. Um, but I just remember, like, wow, I just feel so loved and accepted. And later on that year, I've actually gone through one of, like, the worst, like, losses of my life. Um, it sounds dramatic after I show you, realize what? But um, later, <laughs> around that time, um, I had this pet turtle that I, that I had. Right? I had this pet turtle. And uh, my youth students know this. I share the story all the time. It's a famous, it's a famous story, the turtle story. But I remembered... Um, coming home one night, or one day from school, I always see my, my pet turtle, who I've raised, and it was like a little turtle, and it grew up to a full size. Um, I, I, I've come to find out um, that my dad was cleaning the case, and I always play with my turtle after school. I was looking forward to it one day, um, and it was a Friday. And so when I came, um, I learned that uh, my turtle had died. Um, as my dad was cleaning the case, I found out that my, my dog had killed my turtle, um, it's pretty brutal. Kids cover your ears. Um, it, it was very brutal, and it was very traumatizing. I found my turtle, like, dead in the grass somewhere, and I was crying all day, all day. I could not stop crying because I loved this turtle so much, and it was a Friday, so we had to go to church. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the worst day of my life. You're going to make me go to youth group? And I just remember going to youth group. Um, uh, my, my dad took me. He didn't really know what to say. Um, like he, he, my dad, he's like this traditional Korean dad. And if you're Asian, you kind of resonate with this, but he, he doesn't really know how to communicate emotion. He doesn't know, you know, he helped me bury my turtle and that was it. Um, and so he dropped me off at church and, uh, I remember I could not go in. I could not go in. I was so sad. I was heartbroken. Um, and, you know, it, it was already, you know, like 7:45, like 15 minutes, you know, since you started. Um, and I just could not go in cause I was so sad. Um, and I just remembered my pastor came out, and he saw me crying. Right, he saw me crying. <clears throat> Till this day, I still get emotional about it. But um, he came out because he noticed I wasn't going in, and he saw me crying. And I was so embarrassed. So, like, oh, my gosh, don't look at me. I'm crying. Like, I don't want to look like a baby uh, or whatever. But he came out because he noticed I wasn't there, and he sat with me for 15 minutes. For 15 minutes, he sat with me. And I was so embarrassed because, like, I'm crying over this turtle, and, you know, I'm sharing, like, oh, I'm so sad. And in my mind, I was like, oh, my gosh, this kid is crying over a little turtle. Like, come on, give me a break. Um, But I'll I'll never forget the compassion and the empathy that he had for me. And he ministered to me uh, to tell me that, you know, that everything was going to be okay. And he empathized, and he shared, man, that that must be really hard. You know, I'm so sorry for your loss. And he spoke those, those words to me. And I'll never forget, because I always look back, um, and, and that's, when I, that's when I experienced the love of Jesus through my pastor. And that's when I learned, wow, this is the love of God um, that is being displayed through my pastor. 
to my brothers and sisters. And this is the ministry that God, I believe, has called me to recreate. Unfortunately, uh, later on that year, my second half of my youth ministry years, uh, my pastor moved to a different church. All my older brothers and sisters, they graduated. And with the new transitions, we never had that same culture ever again in, in, in that church. You know, pastors came and went every two years, right? My older brothers and sisters, they graduated. We never had that, that same experience again. And so long story short, coming in um, uh, as a confirmation for me to enter ministry, I always thought to be a pastor, you had to be like the, the biggest Bible nerd, right? You have to like memorize all the Bible verses. You have to answer every theological question that is thrown at you. You have to be really good at apologetics, which all those things I don't have, right? But God had led me to this passage in 1 Timothy 4.12. 1 Timothy is, a, is the best book in the Bible, by the way. Um, uh, it is. It's a book so nice. Paul wrote it twice. That's, how, that's what I like to say. Um, it's in the Bible. I, I'm not making this up. Um, but, but God had led me to this passage in 1 Timothy 4.12, which I, event, which I took on as my life verse till this day. And it says this, Do not let others look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in faith, in love, and in purity. Those things. That cracked my notion of what a pastor is. What a pastor does is set an example that displays the love of Jesus. And I think back all the way back to, my, to 2006, right, 2006. A lot of my kids weren't even born yet, right? But in 2006, I think about my brothers and sisters who welcomed me, right, who welcomed me into youth ministry, made me feel known and, and shared that love of Jesus. I look back to that moment when my, when my turtle died and my pastor uh, showed, the, showed um, the love of Jesus through the ministry of presence, just being there with me. And so I look back and God had told me, Tim, you don't, it's, being a pastor is not all about being the smartest theologian. You simply set an example for the believers in these ways. And so, so when I come to youth ministry and I see my younger brothers and sisters, I want them to know that you will always have a brother. I will always be here if you need anything. Right? I, will, I will make sure that you are known. I will, I will empathize with you. I will, I will be with you. I will be present with you no matter what. Because this is how I experience the love of Jesus. I want you to experience the same thing. And so when we bring on the team, when we, uh, when, when, um, when we recruit leaders, we look for people who love Jesus. We love people uh, who want to share the love of Christ. And if you remember your high school days, you understand the importance of having role models in your life. For, for some of you, it might have been your mom. It might have been your dad. It might have been an older brother or sister. It might be someone um, who you really looked up to. And you know what it's like not to have that role model to, to pave the way for you, to be present with you, to help you, you know, show the ropes of life. And you know what it's like. You know what it's like to have someone to be there for you, and you know what it's like to not have someone there for you. And I truly believe that Paul wrote this to young Timothy, a young pastor at the time, for this, for that exact reason. All right? And so... Um, I'm going to share a little bit more about how you can serve, how you can pray for us. But right now, I just wanted to introduce somebody um, who, re, who we recently signed on as a youth intern who, who follows this. When, uh, when, I see, um, when I see my brother, who I'm going to bring up very shortly, I see a good example in him. When I look at my leaders, my team, our youth team and our youth staff here, I see them setting a good example for those who want to share the love of Jesus in, in these ways. Now, again, like I said, you can experience the love of Jesus in many different ways, but this is what we want in our youth ministry. We want people, we want leaders, 
Uh, and we want members who set a good example for um, our, our, the next generation of men and women of Christ. And so I'm going to go ahead and bring up our, our newly signed on youth intern, Alvin Du, everybody. So let's give a round of applause for Alvin Du. And so, and so Alvin's going to share a little bit about his heart for, uh, for youth ministry, and uh, here he is. Wow. 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 Let's talk about that in private, huh? <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Alvin Du. I've been serving at Ambassador Youth since uh, spring, April last year, but really came onto the scene in August at our youth retreat. Um, now I've been put on as the youth ministry intern, and it's been such a blessing to, to start and and I'm just here until God wants me out. Um, I've been here long enough to uh, begin to get to know your kids. And it, it's taken a couple months to, to even get to know their names. And we moved past the awkwardness of, hey, Alvin, and then me being like, hey, yeah, your, your name. <laughs> right? But in, in all seriousness, it's been such a huge blessing to be entrusted with your kids, to be entrusted with your, with your, with your young ones. And I, I do not take that lightly. With your trust, we have been teaching your kids about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, for instance, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, looking at the men and women of faith and old, and trying to model our lives like them. We've been going through Philippians, using it as a case study for how to actually read the Bible, study it, and applying it. And now we're on Proverbs, learning wisdom, learning it, what it means to fear the Lord and to put it into our lives. We're not also doing that. We're also cultivating a community, one in which it's loving and inviting, one in which our youth can be accepted. And that means that every youth puts in some effort. See, these are only a few points of our goals and visions for our youth. See, I, I desire our children to be raised with a Christian worldview, one in which God is the center of all things and that everything submits to him. See, I've been, see, last, last Friday was an interesting time. We were on Proverbs 5, and we were, uh, and Proverbs 5 is actually, really fun. It's a warning against adultery. And, and, and while I'm saying this, it's not just adultery, but it's everything in between. It's, it's sex, it's prostitution, it's everything that you can possibly imagine. It's so raw, it's so real. And I've been blessed to have the junior high boys as my small group. And I don't know about you, but you can imagine what's the problems that are already happening. And so I'm, I'm preparing, I'm mentally, okay, Lord, let's see how this conversation goes. We walk into the room, and the, fir the first five to seven minutes, I did not say a word. Because the youth in that room were teaching themselves Proverbs 5. They were reading it. They were looking around, asking questions, answering each other's question. And they were talking about it in such a normative positive, productive way. See, I, I was in awe of what was happening. When I had spoken to the other youth leaders, the, the situation was quite similar. 
in, in each of our small groups, it was very much a real time of deep talk. See? These are the types of men and women that we want teaching. These are the types of men and women that we desire, ones in which they understand the Bible and receive its wisdom and put it into practice. And while we know that we are teaching God's word and that the youth are understanding it, we, would, we want them to put it through obedience and action. And, and that requires God's help and God's transformative work in their hearts. We want our kids to follow God's commands. But we also do not want them to become legalistic. So while we want them to follow the commands of the King Jesus, we also want them to be disciples of the servant king. It is my prayer that our youth may be blessed and shepherded. And so may the Lord protect our children. And guide them. And may the evil one have no stronghold here. And may our God grant our children faith and obedience. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Alvin. And um, as you know, like Alvin has such a great heart. And again, he exemplifies what it truly means to set an example for our younger brothers and sisters. Right? And these are the people uh, that we have on our team as well. Right? And so I hope that you feel confident in our youth ministry. And, and there are so many ways that, that you can pray for us. Right? But I just want to list out a different things, um, uh, different ways for you to be involved. Right? Um, you could, you could uh, connect with us. Right? Connect with us and uh, you can connect with us you know, after service or in the ministry fair next week. Um, but here are the different ways that you can serve. Um, I would say uh, the, uh, the, the position that you know, is always open is being a small group leader, right? Maybe you have the time, maybe you have the energy, and, uh, and you definitely have the heart to make disciples, right? Um, you can connect with us and be a small group leader. We have uh, Friday night uh, youth uh, every Friday from 7 o'clock to 9.15. That might be flirting with your bedtime a little bit there, um, but, uh, <laughs> right? but we have small groups, right? We go into God's word, as Alvin said, and we make disciples in that way, and we, uh, we have fellowship as well. Um, but maybe you're someone who maybe doesn't have the time and the energy to do that, right? Maybe, maybe you can't commit to a weekly, um, uh, to a, a weekly uh, responsibility or position like that. Um, you could feel free to, to host um, a small group if you like. You could host a group of our students uh, in your home, right? Uh, maybe you have a place like, hey, I can't come out every Friday night. I can't be a small group leader, but uh, I have a place at, uh, at my house that where we can have the, uh, some of the youth kids come and have their small group there. Or you can come watch the Super Bowl party. I don't know, right? Um, but but uh, inviting us into a place, uh, inviting a group of kids, and providing hospitality. Um, or maybe you're someone that okay, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't like my house is a mess. Um, but uh, here's another way. Um, every week we are looking for uh, for for volunteers to to donate food on Friday night. Now our kids, let me tell you. Uh, have you ever, like, gone to a pond and threw a piece of bread in the lake, right? That's exactly what our youth kids are like, okay? These kids are piranhas, and, like, whatever you throw in, you'll get bare bones, okay? Maybe not even that, all right? Um, but we are looking for uh, volunteers. It's, um, maybe, like, a low time and low energy commitment. Like, hey, let me just go to Costco or Vons or whatever, Target. Uh, let me just get, a, a, like, a box of snacks and a, and a, and a pack of drinks, uh, and let me just drop it off on a Friday night uh, for the kids, 
right? And they, they will eat it up, I promise you. Um, or we also have a high school huddle that takes place every Sunday. Um, every Sunday. Um, uh, inst- uh, yeah, every Sunday where um, our, our high school group, we have a time of fellowship afterwards and w- where we connect. And uh, we have a sign-up um, online every week as well where you can sign up for that and bring food. And there's just so many ways that you can help and serve and pray for us in those ways. And it really um, help cultivate a culture uh, where we just, um, again, make disciples, be present, really share the love of Jesus, right, and by sharing our testimonies as well. So there's so many ways we can go on and on, but those are just a few ways to, to connect. If you have any more questions for me, you can always uh, shoot me an email at timothy at ambassadorchurch.com. If you have any questions or comments or, uh, or just anything more that you want to find out, come talk to me. Um, you can also feel free to sit in. Sit in on a Friday night. Come, be a fly on the wall, just observe. You don't have to talk to anybody. Uh, you can just observe. You can come in on a Sunday morning if you like. Come sit in and observe and see what the Lord is doing. And so with that, um, that is our youth ministry. I hope you're encouraged. And uh, continue to pray for us. And, I, and I'm going to bring back Pastor Ethan. I, uh, I hope that this was encouraging for you. I know it's a little different, right, um, taking, you know, time just to look at our children last week, our youth. But I want you to, I mean, the thing is important, right? This is our church, and our kids make up a good percentage of this. And um, to know who's leading, how you can pray for them, how you can get involved. Um, and if nothing else, just praying and just smiling and loving uh, the kids and the youth uh, when you see him on Sunday. I mean, we want uh, this, this place, this church, to be a welcoming place for all people. So all people would nail, know the name of Jesus. So, uh, so we're thankful for that. But like, what I'd like to do is I want to close this uh, service. We're going to have um, a little bit more worship, too, from our team. But I would love for us to be able to pray for two groups of people. One, for the leaders. Right, um, we have several leaders. In fact, uh, Nina was going to share as well today, but she got sick uh, yesterday, so she wasn't able to join us. But um, but we have several other leaders in here too, and I want to want us to pray for our leaders, and uh, then I would like to pray for our students as well uh, today. And I would love for you to join me in that. So can I just real first have our our any student um, leaders uh, or staff? Sorry, our staff. If you're a small group leader, been helping out, can you stand up? Because I would we'd love to pray for you. I, I see a couple of you here. Beyond that, I, I can't see in the back. It's too dark back there. But um, we have others that are helping out too. So, um, And then students. If you're a student, junior high, high school, can you please stand? And then we would love to be praying for you as well. Sound good? All right. All right. Let's... Uh, it might be creepy to touch them, you know, you're a stranger or whatever, but you can put out your hand and uh, let's just pray for them. Uh, Father in heaven, we love you so much. And I, I thank you so much for the, the calling that you've given us to uh, take the students that you have brought to this church to, uh, to make disciples of Jesus. Lord, we want all of our students uh, to know your name. We want them to have a, an intimate experience with you, to love you uh, deeply and to, to know your deep love for them. Lord, I pray that you would watch over them in so many, so many ways. And like Alvin was saying, Lord, this, this, this world is rough on our kids, Lord. And Satan wants to destroy all that is good. And these kids are beautiful, good kids. And we just pray that your protection be upon them. I pray that your angels would be ministering to them and watching over them and, and continue to bring them up in Christ. Lord, we pray that their, their minds would be transformed, Lord, that they would know uh, the richness of your word and they would uh, love your word. 
Lord, we pray that you would be working in their hearts, just to drawing their hearts, Lord, and, and, and cleaning out the idols and that, that are in all of our hearts, Lord, and that we give more and more of our hearts to you each and every day. Lord, and I pray that you would, um, that they would be examples like we read in that passage that Tim read. Lord, that even though they're young, that they would be an example to the believers, to us. Lord, that they would be examples in their speech and conduct, love, faith, and purity. Lord, I pray that you would, you would use them to teach us what it looks like to follow you. So, Lord, I thank you for all of our students. And I thank you for these leaders, these leaders um, that have given so much time. Uh, it's so much time. Uh, not only just to be here, but to love and care and follow up with all of them. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless them in, in many ways. Lord, I pray that they would uh, just have the favor of the kids. They would be able to speak into their lives, Lord, and, uh, and they would be a, a part of this amazing story. Like, similar to what Tim said, that they would have moments that, that would not be forgotten, how they love the kids in powerful ways. And so I pray that you would do so so many great and amazing things in our children, in our youth, and in our church. So, Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing. Continue to move. Continue to, uh, to draw us all to be your followers. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask in Christ's holy name.